Hey guys, what's up? It is week 133. I have a bunch of reviews for you. So um, if I'm feeling look or looking a little tired, it's because I pulled the 24 hours last night and I'm working on like three hours of sleep. Excuse King, back in full. Um, I shot another um, podcast with 22 shots of moods and horror for Italian month, uh, Renato Pacelli. So that should be up within uh, you know a couple days. So check it out if you're interested. I guess we're going to hop right into the reviews. The first one is from Severn Films from 1985, directed by Penelope Spiris, who would do a bunch of comedies later on, The Boys Next Door, and was famous for a, a very popular documentary about music. Uh, what was it? The Decline of the Western Civilization. There's three of those. So uh, Boys Next Door, this is originally, I think this was an Anchor Bay DVD. So I had had my eyes on this title for years, and it just was something I never watched. I knew it kind of had a cult following. It stars Maxwell Caulfield from Grease 2 and Charlie Sheen from everything. Platoon, Men at Work, Young Guns. Do I need to go on? So, okay. And this is early for both these people, these guys, especially uh, Charlie Sheen. This is a really interesting movie to me. Um, like I said, it's 85. It's a kind of a on-the-road movie, a coming-of-age movie, kind of a spree-killer movie. This one opens up in like kind of a gratuitous way, where it, and it's kind of interesting because the director came from a documentary background. So it opens up in this, uh, showing all these faces of serial killers like um, Edmund Kemper and uh, Andre Bianchi and stuff, and you hear all these terrible, twisted quotes that uh, they said. They're not spoken by them, but somebody else's repeating the quotes that they say and stuff like that and it's kind of giving you the impression the boys next door because that's always what they kind of say when somebody's like oh he was just a normal type kind of like a boy next door type or whatever yada 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 very they didn't think they were serial killers so that's where the title kind of plays into although these are more of a spree killer type so I said these two characters Bo and I can't think of the other character's name off the top of my head are, are kind of just outcast um now, Charlie Sheen's character is more just, like, ungodly horny and chauvinistic. It just wants to get laid, you know, typical kind of 80s character there. And uh, Maxwell uh, Caulfield's character is, is, there's something deeper and darker within him. He has, like, a huge misogyny. He just doesn't seem to like women at all. These guys are right out of high school, too. And he has this kind of weird, almost homosexual repression for his friend. So... Um, right in the beginning, it's kind of interesting. Like I said, these two dress like they're like 50s outcasts. They, they seem poor and everyone around them is kind of in this 80s kind of glamour and nobody likes them in high school. They're kicked out of the high school party after after graduation and everything like that. And that kind of like is the catalyst for them to go on this kill spree, this crazy kind of crime spree. They go to L.A. Um, and it's just a set of unfortunate circumstances. Like it was the straw that broke the camel's back and it just kind of starts escalating and Caulfield loses his mind and people end up killing killed um i love how this movie looks it's it, it's it's never overlit to where it looks like it, there's a bunch of lights everywhere but it's never underlit at the same time and it definitely shows you like a grimy kind of la deal definitely the combat that new york so it, it's really a, a beautiful looking movie the music um is great it lands perfectly and when there is violence in the movie it kind of goes into almost like i don't want to say it's action and the exploitative but it goes into slow motion at times and you feel the impacts it's kind of disturbing um it is disturbing actually um, the psychology I really enjoy, especially um, the relationship between the friends is also interesting. Like I said, there's some sort of like homosexuality coming from one of them at least, and and jealousy. Uh, I think that Cogfield, uh, Maxwell of Caulfield is is 
it's an amazing performance by him. It's intense. It's crazy. And it's, it's, it's also, um, impressive that he isn't an American actor. He's actually doing an accent. So that also uh, plays into how impressive his performance is. This is a, a kind of a gem in my opinion. I, I thought it was very well acted. I thought it was very interesting. I thought it was kind of a really dark for the eighties, especially 85, you know, when we have a lot of kind of like fun, um, or goofy kind of movies, this one, it, it hits pretty hard. Um, on the Blu-ray it has a commentary with, uh, Caulfield and uh, Spiris uh, has an interview with them as well together and she seems to kind of regret this movie a little bit you know maybe some of the violence and things like that is and um, you know I I, I, I don't kind of I think it's really kind of um I don't think it glorifies violence. I mean, I don't watch this movie and think, isn't violence cool? I think, oh man, that's pretty crazy. Stuff like that. But um, I do enjoy watching violent movies, so hey, whatever it is, you guys know how it is. We all do. Uh, so yeah, it, I don't know. It's kind of strange when directors go back and, and they regret things. It makes you second guess it. Um, this was a New World picture too, so that's also kind of interesting. It seems like they've been re-releasing a lot of those lately. Uh, also on the disc is an interview with one of the smaller actors. Um, he plays a kind of a small character in here. And there's another interview with um, Christopher McDonald and Caulfield sitting together, and they kind of, uh, they have a really good rapport, because uh, Christopher McDonald's in here. He plays a police officer. He's pretty young too. Um, for people that Shooter McGavin, uh, you know, he's in a bunch of movies. The Faculty, you know, Happy Gilmore, Dirty Work. Really, really kind of underrated actor very good very solid so he's in this too and there's just lots of nice little touches in the movie there's these weird kind of side characters that are all kind of quirky and have their moments and in, in place in the film and stand out um there's just one cop because one of the people that is murdered is a homosexual and this cop is like yeah these fags down here and literally the older detective just loses it and grabs them and starts yelling at him and i was like i think that's probably a little bit of the director coming in kind of you know uh putting a little bit of her thoughts in there or, or maybe the writer felt that way but i I, you know, I enjoyed this. I thought it was really good. It's one of the best movies I saw for the first time this year. So um, it looks good. It sounds good. Um, it's just impactful, emotional, good stuff, well acted. And, you know, Charlie Sheen isn't my favorite actor. That's I'm not going to make a secret about that. I always thought he was just okay, solid. You know, I never thought he was anything above and beyond. And I always thought he was, you know, kind of... Um, in the shadow of a lot of the other actors he was in, especially in like Platoon, but he's really good in this one. And, uh, I, I don't hate him. I think he's good, but he just, um, he, he stood out, but, uh, still, I think the other guy's better. But then again, uh, as I'm not as familiar with that actor. So maybe it was kind of like seeing him and be like, wow, this guy's really good. Yeah. I think that I wish I would have saw him a lot more, but, um, yeah, I'd recommend checking this out. It's from Severn Films. It's out now. Nearly all these murderers are white males, many of them handsome, charismatic, intelligent. This is the story of a couple of all-American kids, Roy Alston and Bo Richards. They're young, they're clean-cut, and like most kids, they want to do something spectacular. So what do you want us to do, huh, Roy? Uh, become computer programmers, maybe fly the space shuttle? He seemed like a regular kind of guy, uh, you know, normal kind of quiet. He, he just didn't seem like the kind of guy that would kill anyone. But Roy and Bo are different. Sorry. They're trapped. Walk in there Monday. Run the drill press the rest of our lives. And they don't fit in. Look who's here. What happens when there's no way out? Should have killed him. Almost did. Almost doesn't count. These people confuse sex and aggression they can't differentiate between the two. At 11.30 p.m. in Los Angeles, Roy and Bo 
met Angie Baker. Come back to my apartment. She was 29. Give her two seconds of pain. Girls like that won't be giving us 18 years of pain. Lisa Fisher and Rich Wilder were both 19. This is my game, sucker. Like if I had a 38 right now, I could make you do just about anything I wanted to. It's in the look. It's in the touch. It's in the eyes. It's the latest style in madness. Everybody's got a gun these days. They're more popular than sex. What are you doing, you crazy Day by day, they're changing the face of America. A lot of people out there. And they're barely old enough to vote. It's you and me up here. Watch them. The Boys Next Door, starring Maxwell Caulfield and Charlie Sheen. From acclaimed filmmaker Penelope Spheris, a motion picture and a warning. The Boys Next Door, rated R. I remember shooting this, and I remember it giving me chills. You didn't know what was going on in his mind. Yeah. And it scared you. Remember when we all used to take acting that seriously? Yeah. <laughs> but this was scary because it was, like, seemingly uncontrollable. We wrote the song together, Texacala and I. We want your money. Give us your money. It takes you to some very dark places and puts you in some very conflicted positions. So now we're at the location of what was called the end zone in the movie. In real life, it was a gay bar called The Revolver. Okay, guys, this next one is from Severn Films, and this is The Perils of Gwendolyn in the Land of Yik Yak, and also a.k.a. Gwendolyn. Uh, Severn really knocked it out of the park with this. Think Indiana Jones with uh, gratuitous kind of softcore nudity. I don't know, gratuitous and softcore, is that an oxymoron, Jumbo Shrimp? But regardless, it's gratuitous, softcore kind of nudity, tons of it. Um, this is a weird one. We have an escaped uh, a girl, she's like in a convent, she escapes to find her father who went on search of some ancient weird butterfly in this kind of uh, dangerous land, so he, you know, so he can get his name in the book and become famous. So she goes after him, she gets captured by some creeps, this uh, this kind of guy saves her that really doesn't want to do it. He's kind of like a sailor, kind of pirate type guy who loves gambling and loves women. He's chauvinistic and he's ridiculous. She kind of falls in love. There's a weird kind of love story. They go on this weird, crazy misadventure where they run into, you know, tribes and um, <laughs> I guess uh, what these uh, this weird. Um, uh, you know, whole kind of race or group of people that are all women and they're all like uh, giant. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, Amazon women, I guess. It's kind of like it, but they're in armor. 
kind of a woman's society. Um, and they run into all sorts of crazy misadventures, like I said. Uh, crocodiles. It just has everything like that. Like I said, it's like an Indiana Jones movie if it was made by Jess Franco, who had a bunch of money. And this is actually based off source material that, you know, uh, the same writer did, like Story of O and uh, Emmanuel, I believe. So it kind of fits in that, you know, wheelhouse. It's vastly entertaining. This thing is, it costs so much money, you can tell. It literally costs like thousands of dollars, <laughs> millions of dollars, it feels like. And I can't imagine this movie did that well anywhere besides, uh, you know, France. I believe this was a French movie. Uh, I, I love the uh, character, uh, the lead male in here. Like, he's kind of a piece of shit throughout the entire movie, but he cracks me up. And they dub their own lines, and sometimes it's a little over the top until ridiculous levels where um, the set uh, the sets are great. I, I was super impressed with the sets and the action, and there's a lot of weird, quirky characters and uh, violence, and people get killed. It's like a, it's like an R-rated Indiana Jones, like made you know not as well as Indiana Jones, but it's it's super. It's never boring, and there's this weird kind of. Um, like a whole giant like subplot at the end with these uh, this this group of like women warriors that take them all hostage and they have this weird mating ritual. Like I said, it's super enjoyable and weird, and I don't know what else to say about it. But it's like um, it's summed up if Indiana Jones was more softcore, if they just added a softcore element to Indiana Jones, and it feels like a, an adventure like movie in the sense like Massacre and Cannibal and Dinosaur Valley, like but just better made than that and bigger like it has that kind of element of you know adventure but again softcore and ridiculousness at the same time vastly enjoyable i would really recommend this one it has a bunch of features on here two commentaries one with the director um and one with the two stars in here and they they have a great time talking about the movie and reminiscing about it kind of cringing at some of the scenes and they seem to be uh, on good rapport and very friendly and david gregory um moderates that so that was nice and there's uh also there's a bunch of other features on here too interview with the director and some other people involved here and there's an alternate cut of the movie the american version which is shorter um i, I would recommend checking this one out you got to see it it's like one of those movies that's just so different and so unique and just can't believe it exists i didn't know this existed i, I didn't catch their dvd release if they had one but it just kind of blows my mind it looks great it sounds great the music gets stuck in your head it, it's just a rip roaring sleaze fest if that makes any sense from Thieves Harbor, Singapore. To the corrupt casinos of Macau, across uncharted seas and treacherous jungles. Journey to a lost civilization. With a reluctant hero. Get out of my way, you're not my type. And a lady who loves to be rescued. Destiny rose them together. Again. Willard! And again. Come on, scream! More. Come on, you scream! More. More again. And again. I belong to you, body and soul. You're kidding. No, wait! <laughs> of Gwendolyn in the lost, lost land of the Yik-Yak.
I am just in awe of this film. That's the first scene nude of Tony and she was very puritan. And your penis falls out and they see, oh my God, it's a man, they jump on you and we shoot. Okay, this next one needs no introduction. This is from Arrow Films, and this is the legendary 1987 Paul Verhoeven classic, RoboCop. Uh, man, I'm, I gotta cue that music in this, because it's all-time one of my favorite scores. Um, what can I say about RoboCop? It's always been one of my favorite movies uh, of all time. I always thought it held up, and I hadn't seen it in a few years, probably like three or four, maybe even five. So when I put this in, I was like, I knew it was going to hold up, but I was going to say, is it better than the last time I seen it, or is it you know, about the same? I got to say this about RoboCop. It, it's just a freaking amazing movie. It's so smart and so intelligent. It's basically a revenge plot. Um, a, a cop. This is in a futuristic kind of old Detroit, which I love that it takes place in Detroit. I'm right by Detroit, so it has some sort of like closeness to me. And we, everybody around here, always kind of makes fun of Detroit for being a crap hole, you know. So it's kind of plays into that a little bit as well. But it takes place in the future, and uh, the cops have been taken over by a private company. So uh, and crime is all time high. So the cops are getting destroyed out there by criminals and everything like that. The cops are talking about strikes, and it seems like there is literally no sympathy. For for any human life. They just don't have any regard for it in the media, in the commercials, anywhere. It's definitely a satirical movie on violence. So what happens is this cop transfers over to a new uh, precinct, Murphy, played by Peter Weller from Leviathan of Unknown Origin and uh, Naked Lunch. And he is brutally murdered almost immediately by a group of thugs led by Kurtwood Smith, uh, Clarence Bodiger. And his ranks are also filled with very memorable character actors Ray Wise and Paul McCrane and some other very familiar faces. Uh, excellent group of bad guys. Probably one of the best group of the best group of bad guys probably ever assembled when it comes to gang kind of stuff. So um, they destroy him and kill him. He's put into a RoboCop program by Miguel Ferreira, who's in a bunch of stuff. And they create some sort of cyborg kind of cop that goes out. But uh, RoboCop starts to remember what happened to his past. And, and you're thinking, wow, this is such a B-movie plot. And it is, but it, it, it rises above that due to the writing, due to the clever kind of callbacks throughout the entire movie, due to the score, due to the acting, due to the side characters. Also, uh, some other people in here, of course, um, uh, Nancy Allen, who's a great actress from the Brian De Palma stuff and Poltergeist 3, and uh, Ronnie Cox from Total Recall, also a Paul Verhoeven movie. So it's got an amazing uh, assembled cast in here. Everybody does a spectacular job. Even the smaller roles are filled with people that you'll recognize. Uh, the guy from Cyclone and Return of the Dead 3 and Desperado has a nice little small role in here. It's just so many memorable things. Uh, I can't. I have to mention that, you know, it's making a statement on the violence and like the, the TV and everything like that, but it's also incredibly violent on top of that. Probably the most violent thing ever. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> One of the most violent movies ever for a mainstream film. Um, there's a director's cut and a theatrical cut on here. The director's cut's much more violent. Um, honestly, if I could run the Oscars, I would have given the best supporting actor to Clarence, uh, Kurtwood Smith for Clarence Bodiger. That is by far one of my all-time favorite performances. Uh, Can you fly, Bobby? Just give me my fucking phone call. His dialogue, his quotes are probably the most memorable. I still quote this movie to this day. Uh, like I said, I love RoboCop. I can't believe, you know, you'd think this would be so cheesy and everything like that, but it really still holds up. And like I said, there's always like the television programs on here. I'd buy that for a dollar, and the characters in the show 
actually repeat it. And uh, the car commercial, the uh, one of the people, a terrorist, kind of domestic terrorist, asks for the car, the Sucks 5000. So it just constantly plays into itself and sets all these jokes up. And the payoff is beautiful. Um, I, I just, I, I love the, the cast in here. I love the look of it. And it even goes to a ridiculous point that the, only the late 80s or early 90s would do a toxic waste. And you're thinking... Why is there toxic waste there? But you don't care because it has this whole comic book pulp element and it leads to the best moment ever. I, I got to give an extra shout out to Ray Wise as well. Just watching him last week and the Twin Peaks uh, Fire Walk With Me. And this one, he's so different. And I just love him in this movie. He His facial expressions, he's such a douchebag. He is probably one of my favorite performances of a goon of all time. I, I never forgot him in this movie. I never forgot any of the bad guys in this movie. Uh, she was sweet, everything. Thing, man it's just I, I'm, I'm glowing about this thing I'm gonna have to I, I mean but that's no different from what anybody else would say about Robocop um, I saw it young I, I it's a movie it's been with me my whole life it gets better every time it never gets old and I love Paul Verhoeven movies that I've seen and I've only seen his American stuff I really need to go back and watch some of his other things like um, the fifth man and everything like that but I'm actually gonna cheat I typically remember the features off the top of my head but um, there is so much on here that I have to refresh myself um, um, the new stuff, I will, I'll read that for you guys because all that old stuff is ported over from the old releases. But there's a new commentary by fans Christopher Griffins, Gary Smart, and Eastwood Allen. Um, there's also a new commentary by film historian Paul M. Salmon. The Future of Law Enforcement, Creating Robocop, a newly filmed interview with co-writer Michael Miner. Um, that was interesting. Robocop, a newly filmed conversation between co-writer Ed um, Neumeyer and filmmakers David Burke, a writer of L, and Nicholas McCarthy, director of Orion Pictures, The Prodigy. So um, this was also really good. Ed Neumeyer is in a lot of the special features, and he seems like a really intelligent guy, and he talks a lot about Verhoeven and their process and everything like that. Enjoyed that. Truth of the Character, a newly filmed interview with star Nancy Allen on her role as Lewis. And uh, I loved her interview, too, because she's one of these actresses. Like, sometimes you hear actors and actresses, and you're like, I don't even think this person gives a shit she's like talks a lot about the movie and about how she uh decided to take the role and she's just like she's very very intelligent about the way she approaches roles in film and she's just a very you know she you can tell she actually loves movies and that's always nice to see like somebody who's in the profession that loves them there's nothing more discouraging when you're watching an actor or director you love and you're like i don't like movies i just do this for money you're like oh it's so depressing um then we have casting old detroit a newly filmed interview with casting director julie seister on how the film's ass uh, assemble cast was assembled um that's also really great how she talks talks about how um, Miguel Ferreira was out for, I think, somebody else in here and how they, they got all these people. And um, then we have Connecting the Shots, a newly filmed interview with second unit and frequent uh, Verhoeven collaborator Mark uh, Golbot. He's also an editor. He directed The Punisher um, from the 80s, so that's cool. Uh, Analog, uh, Katchaver, more man than machine, composing Robocop, a new tribute to composer, um, I'm not, I'm always pronounce his last, his last name wrong, Basil uh, Paldoris, featuring film music experts Jeff Bond, Lucas Kendall, Daniel Swag, and Robert Townsend and uh, that's really interesting as well they tell a great story about how um, one of the people was kind of poo-pooing on this score and then he um, Basil told the story to them that he reheard that guy whistling it and he's like you do like it it gets stuck in your head it's such a really they break it down how it has like this medieval kind of like uh, you know chivalry kind of sound to it and then it has like the drums like boop 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 and stuff like that and they just break it down and why it's so uh, memorable um, Robo Props, a newly filmed uh, tour of super fan Julian DeMont's collection, the original props and memories 
memorabilia. So you see, that's also cool. 2012 Q&A with filmmakers. And um, one of the old, I'm gonna, that's all, and then a bunch of old stuff. But I got to give a shout out to the old archival stuff with the uh, interviews with the villains. So we have interviews with Mikhail Ferreira, Kurtwood Smith, Ronnie Cox, Ray Wise. Um, uh, that's really great. And like they have a lot of good input. And they mentioned that, you know, getting this role, uh, especially Ray Wise and uh, Kurtwood Smith kind of changed everything and Miguel Ferrer it changed everything for them they get that role that you know now they get called in for these parts instead of having the audition for them and I love that and Ronnie Cox talks about you know I always played the nice guy before this so it was really nice to actually play an asshole and uh, Ronnie Cox plays such a good asshole after you know being like the friendly guy in Deliverance and Beverly Hills Cop it was nice to see him make that turn for uh, RoboCop and Total Recall so um, like I said I, I went on and on about this one probably wore out, you know you guys drove you guys nuts but it, it's probably one of my favorite releases of the year. It's top notch. Uh, has a nice booklet in there and everything. I haven't even got a chance to look at it. It's just like you can tell it's like a nice thick booklet and everything like that. But um, amazing release for an amazing movie, and uh, I just love it. I'm just. It's probably in my top ten favorite movies of all time. I mean, how, what can you say? It's RoboCop. Uh, you know, dead or alive, you're coming with me. We've got a volunteer. The body is on the way. Wool Detroit has a cancer. Cancer is crime. Turn the roll. As you know, we've entered into a contract with the city to run local law enforcement. We were able to save the left arm. What? I thought we agreed on total body prosthesis. Now lose the arm, okay? We get the best of both worlds. Onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. Hey, Lewis, it's Supercop. This guy is really good. He's not a guy, he's a machine. What are they gonna do, replace us? Murphy, it's you. Go get him, boy. Thank you. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney. Anything you say may be used against you. You better back up, pal! Your move, creep. The future of law enforcement. Robocop. Thank you for your cooperation. Okay, this next one's from Arrow Video, and it is Jake Speed. I had never really heard of this movie, to be honest, until Arrow was going to put it out. Um, this stars, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but I had seen him in only in one other movie, Headhunter. Um, and it also stars John Hurt, and uh, geez, who am I missing here? There's another kind of, oh, um, Dennis Christopher from, you know, Fade to Black, Django Unchained, and uh, It, um, the original miniseries. So yeah, okay. This one right here, this is a weird one too. And it would play kind of a good double feature with um, The Perils of Gwendolyn in a way. Uh, we have this girl who's been kidnapped by these kind of weird uh, white slavers, I guess, or whatever. I don't know what they're doing. But they take her to some third world country and they're going to sell her to the highest bidder. Um, there's, this grand, there's this family that's worried about her, obviously. It's their daughter, you know, their granddaughter, their sister, whatever. They're worried about her. And the grandfather reads these pulp novels that have characters like Jake Speed in them. So um, one day the daughter is approached by somebody who says, you know, I know somebody that can get your uh, sister back, Jake Speed. So she's like, Jake Speed, what are you talking about? Enter um, the guy from Headhunter. I can't think of his name. Uh, and there's a reason for it. I can't think of his name because um, he's very, very bland. But uh, so basically, 
Dennis Christopher hooks them up. They go on this weird misadventure, and there's this weird sense that they're he's a character out of the book, and they're inside of a book, making the book while they're going on the kind of you know uh, adventure. Dennis Christopher's fine in the movie. Uh, John Hurt's kind of fine as well, and he has a he's the villain, of course, and he has a brother who's also hammered it up, and they're kind of have good back and forth together. They're fun, uh, but the lead in this movie is devoid of any personality for me. And I also would say that the female lead in here is also kind of lackluster. Uh, and Jeremy was watching this a little bit and he said that the male lead is underacting and the female lead is overacting. And that whole thing together, they just didn't have any chemistry. And this movie really needed like a Kurt Russell or a Bruce Willis from the time to kind of come in there and be this role to be this kind of, you know, uh, charisma screen presence kind of character or actor. And this guy does not have it. He, is probably the biggest detriment to the film. And I don't want to be a dick. He's not a bad actor. He just doesn't have this 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 screen presence to carry this role where he needs to have that kind of larger, almost like even a Bruce Campbell, like Kurt Russell type, where it's like comedic and he's larger than life. A Jack Burton would be perfect for this or, you know, even a Hudson Hawk. And I know a lot of people don't like that movie, but that's the kind of character I would see in here. But this does not work for me. The action's solid. The action's cool. Jake Speed has a cool gun. There's explosions. There's lots of cheap characters that kind of make me laugh. Uh, there is a decent amount of violence. And uh, John Hurd is chewing the scenery. He's ridiculous. A couple points did make me laugh. Um, the ending, like I said, is really bombastic. And there's explosions and everything like that. Millie Perkins is in here in a very tiny role. And I saw her in the cast. I was like, that can't be the same Millie Perkins from the you know the Jack Nicholson, uh, Monty Hellman movies. And which who came from the sea. But it is, which blew my mind. I didn't even recognize her, which I can't believe I just missed her like that. And I watched the movie. On the special features and includes uh, with a, a interview with the director and with the producer and they had worked um, on with New World on low budget stuff before so they worked on Night of the Comet and stuff like that so you get you get the idea that these guys you know it's not really their fault um, or anything like that but uh, like I said, this one's okay. It's not perfect. It does have, uh, if maybe if you grew up with it, I think you would like it. Um, it is interesting. It does have an interesting pr uh, premise, but it just could not win me over um, with, uh, you know, it kind of gets a little boring and you start to lose interest and you don't really care what happens, to be honest. But it, it looks good. It sounds good. And I think this is a new world. Like I said, again, a lot of new world stuff. So I kind of um, would give this a slight recommend if you're interested in it, but I would just say watch uh, The Perils of Gwendolyn instead. After we had finished the movie, I was looking through old files and some of the old casting 8x10s that we had been submitted, and the only one that I found kind of interesting that was submitted for the character of Jake was Bruce Willis. And so I'm not quite sure why we dismissed that one. I mean, pretty much like clockwork, about 12 o'clock it would start raining and it wouldn't stop till about 2.30 or 3, so it was constantly cutting into the amount of shooting time that we had per day.
Okay, this next one is from Dread Central uh, Releasing and uh, Epic Pictures. This is The Fair. And, you know, I wasn't sure if this was going to be like a horror movie or what it was. It's, it's a brand new movie. So I put this in and it feels very sci-fi. It feels like it takes place in the 50s, but it's kind of supposed to be modern. But then you realize that this might not, this might, is in a very strange kind of place. It's not in this world. It has its own kind of setting, but I don't want to spoil too much. So basically this movie is a two-person show. We have um, this character who's a cab driver. He's very kind of sarcastic, but funny, but super likable. To me, um, he's like a mix of Chris Pratt and Bill Paxson, and I mean that as an utmost compliment. This guy is really uh, has tons of charisma. He's very likable, and he's very funny, and uh, his dialogue's good, and he delivers it very good. So he basically is driving out in the middle of nowhere arguing with this dispatcher who seems to be kind of sardonic asshole, but kind of funny at the same time. To pick up this kind of a uh, person in the middle of nowhere, there's a big storm cousin coming. They're in like the desert kind of area. He picks up this uh, girl named Penny, um, also the writer of the film, and um, it, it seems very strange. He drives down the road. They start to talk. She disappears. He gets on there on the radio, talks to the person. He's told to come back, reset his fare. When he resets. He resets. So it's a time loop movie. He goes back, does the same thing. But after a couple times, he starts to realize something's not right, and they start to remember each other. And what happens is, over time, they start to talk about it and unfold and all these things, and they kind of start to love, um, you know, fall in love. And it's really touching. And uh, I was like, this is just like a really sweet kind of sci-fi love story, isn't it? And it goes to a little bit darker places, and it has a couple unveilings that I don't want to spoil. A lot of those unveilings lead to the last act of the movie, which adds in some comedy some more comedy elements that are decent and uh, it definitely makes for a bittersweet movie and if this movie didn't have the good uh, performances from the two leads it would be very weak but they're very good in here the writing is very good and it's a well thought out movie that incorporates a lot of mythology from other things that you don't realize until after the movie's over and I watched the special features and the writer she was who stars in it she was talking about it that they put a lot of things in here from Greek mythology and there's mentions of D, uh, you know, Jack Kirby and it plays into the movie and you're like, this movie is really intelligent and really well crafted and really well acted and um, I'm not sure if I like the look entirely, but I didn't mind it and it makes sense to what it, it's part of. I don't know, I would definitely call this more of a sci-fi kind of fantasy or a little bit of horror elements. It's not like gory or anything like that. Um, I don't even know if the language is that harsh. This might be <laughs> on PG-13 level, but it's it's a movie that I don't know if I would watch the whole thing and if I, I sort of the entire plot. So I'm glad I did watch it because, like I said, I really enjoyed it. I was really invested in the characters, and by the end of it, it was really touching. And I I like the performance of the two people in here, especially the male lead. I thought he was top notch. I'd love to see this guy in some more things. I think he's really good. Um, I, I would recommend checking out the fair for sure. It, it's interesting uh, and it's entertaining and it's like bittersweet love story. And they 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 make comments in the movie they're like all, all good love stories usually are sad and you're just like oh yeah so they're kind of you know they know what they're making and they know how to do it and, and let the audience know what they're in for at the same time as letting them know that there might be some curveballs in there so it's good stuff good stuff and there's some special features on here with you know some bloopers and other things like that so nice release they irrevocably altered our reality what was will never be, and what will be isn't. Alice, come in. What's your ETA on that pickup? I'm here, I think. You call for a cab, miss? Yes, I did. One middle of nowhere, coming right up. 
So your name's Harris? Yes, ma'am. Well, what about you? It's your turn. What about me? What do you want to know? Well, let's start with what is your name? Penny, are you all right? I didn't tell you my name. Harris, you remembered me. Remember me this time. These extraterrestrials came to our planet thousands of years ago. Where are we headed? Corner of Delmar River Drive. So I've driven you down this same stretch of road a hundred times? Maybe more. What the hell's going on over here? Am I crazy? Do you think you're crazy? What don't I know? I'll find you, baby. So, before you disappear... Or not. Okay, this next one is nonsense. I just had to buy it, and I really thought it was a joke. When I saw the title, I was like, that's fake. And then I saw the trailer, I was like, this isn't fake. It's real. And it is the Banana Splits movie. Tra la 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 la. I can't help it. Every time I hear the Banana Splits or see them, I get the stupid song stuck in my head. And I was a little young to be watching Banana Splits. It was reruns that I caught when I was young um, on TV. I mean, it's not like a. I, I mean, it was an older show, and I caught the reruns when I was really young um, <laughs> on TV. And it was always super weird. This basically isn't really the Banana Splits. It kind of goes with the animatronic deal. And uh, and this day and age, the Banana Splits are still going kind of strong, and uh, they're animatronics, and they do a live recording every you know um, week or so. So this kid who's obsessed with the Banana Splits gets tickets to go see them do a live recording, and a bunch of weird people are there. Um, there's like kind of a star, you know, one of those dads that always try to push his daughter, uh, a theater dad or whatever, and then there's a, a super fan, and then there's the family, of course, who have turmoil within themselves. They have a burnout kid. They have kind of a weird dickhead stepfather the mother's struggling with that and then a friend is drug along that doesn't even want to go so that's kind of the setup here uh we kind of realize that the banana splits are not functioning properly something's wrong and then the show gets canceled and that kind of sets the banana splits off into a crazy kill spree this movie's nonsense it's ridiculous i know a lot of people didn't like it i laughed a lot um it's really stupid and but the thing i like most about this movie is watching the actors have a great time um especially the um theater dad um when they're doing the song he's like hamming it up like trying to get the attention he's always pushing his daughter up there and she's just so so doesn't want anything to do with this she's just like mm-hmm and he's just like cheesing it up, dancing. I literally laughed quite a bit, and I just kept shaking my head. It's so ridiculous. Um, and the banana splits—they're—they're they're like so. They're, I mean, they're like a, a, a elephant and a, a monkey, uh, a dog and a lion, and they're just ridiculous. Like looking at them, you're like, I can't take this seriously. But it also gets—it's definitely got made because what is that? Five Nights at Freddy's or something like that? The um, a horror game with the animatronics. It definitely probably got made because of that. Um, but yeah, and. Uh, it's enjoyable. I can't lie. I it turns into a slasher movie. They have over the top cartoonish deaths where somebody gets like a lollipop shoved down their throat. Somebody gets sawed in half. Lots of gory stuff. Um, there's some off screen kills that I wish they showed more of, to be honest. But that's not that's kind of a minor complaint. Um, the stepfather is a real big prick. There's like three real big pricks in the movie, and they make sure they get their just desserts in here. 
I like the um, the, the um, female character who's actually like kind of like the show, not like helping with the show go on smoothly. She was really interesting. She was cool. Um, this movie is very inclusive. Like you could tell, like they put a lot of different pe- kinds of people in the movie. They're like, yeah, it's not just going to be a bunch of white people in the background. They like a lot of different women and men and everything like that. So you know, they just like kind of like showing every different group of people watch are obsessed with the banana splits. I guess I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's just a silly, goofy movie. And uh, there's a little bit of kind of like stuff in there was like the little kid loves the elephant and you're like oh he's gonna approach the elephant but i i like that too and they do something that i do want there's a banana splits fight so yeah uh recommend checking this one out it's much better than i expected um I, at first i was like this is gonna be the worst it's i don't know why i had to see it i just had to like i couldn't stop laughing like every time i see it i'm like that's a movie they made it and they let it go like is that hannah barbera they let they sold the rights to the banana splits to be made into a slasher movie what? It's just so weird to me. It's so freaking weird. This is a weird world. This is, I don't know what's going on anymore. I'm so lost. <laughs> but the Manana Splits movie. Yeah. We are going to the Banana Splits. <gasps> Sometimes at night. I see the splits riding around in the little cars, laughing and singing. Who's excited to see the banana splits? Yeah! Rebecca, I'm canceling the show. What? Hey, kids, put on your happiest faces because the banana split show is about to begin. Where are the children? Mom, get out of here! Almost up. Why are you doing this to me? Dad, please! Let me out! Now the show can go on forever and ever and ever. Come on, you fussy son of a. I just really want your brother's birthday to be perfect. Okay, these next few are going to be very quick. I, I've been doing a lot of 2019 watches because I'm going to do an end-of-the-year podcast on the 22 shots, and I'm going to have to do a top 10, so I'm trying to cram them in there. Um, so these are going to be quickies. Um, Tigers Are Not Afraid. It was a Shutter exclusive. This is a movie from South America. This would be a couple-minute review. So I, I thought this was really well done. I thought that um, it kind of follows the story of a group of kids who um, – and, and it's in Mexico. I think it's Mexico. Yeah. Um, so, like, everybody – the drug cartel pretty much destroys this kind of area and uh, there's a bunch of kids that are homeless their parents were killed or taken by the cartel and uh they kind of fight the back at the cartel but there's these weird fantasy elements where fairy tale stuff in the very beginning in the school and everything kind of plays into this where the girl believes she has three wishes but something bad every time happens every time she wishes so and it becomes like this weird kind of almost uh Gilmoro uh, del Toro kind of fairy tale story and I really enjoyed it I thought that it was really heartfelt I thought there was some really depressing stuff I thought it was well made I thought there was a couple well-crafted scares I thought it was pretty violent um would recommend checking this one out it's very good stuff um one of the better ones I saw from 2019 and it is on Shutter. so uh interesting good stuff Había una vez un príncipe que quería ser tigre Los tigres no tienen miedo. Hey, 
con el diablo. Los Goscas saben en dónde estamos. Se nos olvida quiénes somos. Cuando las cosas de afuera vienen por nosotros. Somos príncipes, somos guerreros y tigres. Los tigres nunca olvidan. Si no lo matas, nos van a matar a todos. Los tigres no tienen miedo. Another quickie review I also watched on Shudder, and this is Haunt, uh, again from 2019. I was actually kind of leery while watching this. It was a slasher movie. These kids kind of go into extreme haunt, and they're killed by, you know, these mass people. And at first, I was like, I don't know if I like this. Um, we have this kind of a couple asshole characters. Some of the dialogue's kind of forced where she is like, um, they ask something, and she like kind of goes into this whole, like, you know, backstory of herself that doesn't seem like she kind of like shoehorned it in and it's going to play into the ending. And that kind of seems forced, but by the end of it, I ended up really enjoying this one. Um, the killers in the movie are really cool. They all wear masks, and they wear masks for a reason, and what's under those masks reflects what their masks are. Love that. Um, and, and it's in a haunted house, and it works like this weird kind of weird haunt, and there's like traps and everything like that. There's a couple of the characters that I ended up really enjoying, and I was rooting for everybody. There's this kind of big guy who seems like an asshole at first, but then he becomes probably the most likable character in the entire movie. He had a stooge from Night of the Demons thing going on. I really like this one. I thought it was gory, although there is some crummy CGI blood, but for the most part, I liked it. Um, the people fight back. It's not just a one-sided we're getting killed by these killers. They were fighting and killing, and I liked it. I would recommend it. And uh, the outfits definitely reflect, reflect kind of like the killers reflect like the, you know, the typical Halloween outfits like the devil, the witch, the ghost, the, um, you know, the clown, the zombie, stuff like that. So um, I'd recommend checking this one out. Really liked it. This cannot be ignored. Is this supposed to be scary? <laughs> Thank you. 
want to see my face? And then we have another quickie from Shudder, The Furies from 2019. This is an English film, and this is a crazy game of death movie. Also, put this in and enjoyed it. I thought that uh, the element of the game was cool. We have Beauty and we have Beast. They all wake up in a coffin, and what we learn is that they have to, um, the the Beast are going to try to kill all the beauties, except one they're going to protect, because they have bombs, and everybody has these weird implants, and if they go to certain places, you know, yeah, you guys understand. You've seen The Running Man. You've seen Battle Royal, all that kind of thing. But uh, it's interesting. It's super gory, and we have this inner turmoil where people fight. There's one thing that I didn't particularly care for. Our character is epileptic, but when she has these weird seizures, she, everybody has an implant in their eye. She can see through the eye or uh, see through all the other eyes or something like that. Or And it's just it's really weird. I don't really think it works very well. Um, and I didn't like how they did that, but it kind of plays into the end and the twist. Um, I thought the special effects were cool. I thought the beast fighting was awesome. I thought the score was pretty solid as well. I thought the acting was solid. The gore was good. This one's well worth checking out. It's quick runtime, like 83 minutes. Doesn't wear out. It's welcome. Get straight into the movie. Um, some decent character arcs on the main girl. Liked her. She was tough. She fought back. And I like seeing characters that are in turmoil, like getting like stalked by killers and everything, fight back. It's so like, oh, no, they're going to run. They're going to cry. Fight back. Come on. And they do it in a haunt, and they do it in a banana splits, and they do it in freaking the Furies. So, uh, yeah, enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. All Good stuff, too. Okay, the next one is a Patreon pick, and this is from Jason Willard. He picked The Clan of the White Lotus, another Hong Kong uh, Shaw Brothers movie. Is it Hong Kong? Yeah, I think so. It's Shaw Brothers regardless. So, yeah, um, this one I, I put in, and it opens up with two brothers fighting this kind of like old school, kind of like, you know, the uh, white long hair and the goatee, very, uh, you know, stereotypical, you know, kind of character. Yeah, you know, what Quentin Tarantino would put in like Kill Bill 2 kind of deal, and that's that kind of character from these movies. They're fighting him, they end up killing him, and then they all get sent to like um, some a bunch of them get sent to prison and it's years down the line and one of the um students or friends of that guy who was murdered decides to get revenge on this kind of clan that did that so these people are released from prison they're immediately attacked and all of them are butchered and everything like that so the other brother is upset and he wants to get revenge so they're kind of at turmoil it's a lot of revenge in these movies and everything like that but he doesn't have the kung fu to beat this guy he's not you know he's not and every time he goes after him this guy is so light he flies away (laughs) Woo! <laughs> 
with that cool special effect. So he has to learn almost this feminine technique from from his, uh, I think it's his wife, his wife learned this feminine technique from his wife where she kind of comes in and she's like uh, everything like that. And I thought that was cool too. So the acting by the lead guy is really interesting because he has to know like the Kung Fu and then he has to know this new style of Kung Fu, which has this weird feminine thing to it. And then on top of that, he also has to act like he's learning the Kung Fu. So he doesn't know that second Kung Fu too. So really good physical acting from that lead guy, actually. Um, the bad guy is, you know, he's pretty cheesy, but he fits perfect in the movie. The fighting's really good. Um, just these movies that I can never really get into depth about how good the cinema, the, the fight choreography is. It's insane. Like the stuff they're doing in Wonders and the swords are coming and it's edited so slick. It looks so good. Like when they do the wise to the closest to the mediums, I don't even notice that they're cutting. Like that's how good it is. I don't notice the cuts. None of it's jarring to me. It all flows very smooth. Uh, and, and I enjoyed this one. And I always like watching these Hong Kong Shaw brother movies because they use the same public library stuff that, uh, George Romero used in the extended cut of Dawn of the Dead. So I'll hear cues and I'm like, I know that by heart. Um, but this one's enjoyable. The fighting's great. And, uh, it, these do get a little repetitive at the time. It's like, I go beat, I try to fight you. I get beat up. I go learn some more. I go try to fight you. I get beat up. I learn some more and I finally whoop his ass. It, it's, it's definitely, you know, a pattern, just like a slasher movie is a pattern. So you can't really hate on it for that. But like, I will say is I really kind of enjoyed this one. You know, I think it was cool. And like I said, the fights are great. The plot is pretty standard for this stuff and uh, some good physical acting from the lead. Shaolin men will soon be released. They have possession of their temple. If that ever happens, it would mean trouble for us. We Shaolins never hurt your clan. Why do you want to fight us? I want revenge. You both killed my classmate, Ame the priest. the crane bill style, but you haven't perfected it yet. Waiting, your kung fu's not good enough.
What's up guys, week 29 of Hammer Time, and uh, yeah, this one's a bit of a strange one, The Lost Continent, 1968. Uh, this is part horror movie, part adventure movie, part pirate movie, part science fiction, I don't know, I'm going to explain the plot, because I need to be, <laughs> okay, um, a shitty uh, captain is taking these people across, uh, uh, what, what, what ocean are they on, I don't even remember. The Atlantic, I would yeah, imagine. he's taking them across. Uh, he's also like kind of moving cargo, and these people he's moving cargo he's not supposed to move that's highly explosive if it gets wet. So he's already a piece of shit asshole, doesn't tell his crew about it. And also, all the people on this ship are desperate, and he knows that too. They're kind of criminals or out running something. So everybody on this ship is horribly desperate. There is an accident, I don't remember how the ship actually gets damaged originally. Do you? No, oh. They, like, let down an anchor for some reason, and, like, it, like, hits the side of the boat, and so the cargo where all the explosives... Starts to leak with water. So, everybody finds out there's explosives on the ship, the crew is very upset about it, and they decide that there's not much, the engine or the pump goes out, so they Mm -hmm. decide they're gonna abandon ship. Including Michael Rooker, who's in some great makeup here, uh, always is great. Uh, unfortunately, that's pretty much all he has to do in this movie. Uh, so eventually, they all decide to try to do a mutiny on the captain. And you know what the captain doesn't do, right? He doesn't say, you know what, we probably are going to sink. He says, to hell with you, and tries to kill them all. Um, mm-hmm. Kills a couple of them. The rest get away on one of the lifeboats. Ten minutes later, he decides to abandon ship exactly what they did. So not only is he smart enough to not smart enough to realize that this is a problem he caused. Not smart enough to realize that maybe he should let these guys abandon ship and abandon ship with them. But then he goes back and does it later after he killed the guy for doing it. And then on top of that, it turns out that the ship they abandoned makes it to this weird uh, abandoned island that they made it to as well on a lifeboat. So he was wrong about everything. He's the main character in the movie. We have to be around this crotchety old asshole who looks kind of like... Um, he looks kind of like uh, Howl, Mr. Howl from Gilligan's mm-hmm. Island mixed with like Roy Scheider. He's not a bad actor. He's just a, a, a completely disgusting, despicable character. All the characters suck in this movie. Yeah. They're all assholes, except especially the drunk guy. He has the re- he redeems himself. But uh, the first 20, 30 minutes of this movie, I was like, really? Are we going to be surrounded by this captain? Is he going to try to be like portrayed as a hero? Because the opening of the movie shows all these weird people on a boat, and you have no clue what the hell's going on, including the captain. And you imagine that's now, and this is a flashback. Kind of. Right. Ugh, so they make it to this lost continent, and there's a bunch of weird creatures on there, and insanity ensues so do you want to say some weird words about this one oh man i don't know it's definitely like like two different films that they kind of like stitch together in the middle um i could have completely done about the first half really um because the first half is just like everybody's just kind of being like mean and shady to each other and then they go on the crazy magical island adventure and that part's really fun there's you know giant monsters there's like uh like Spanish conquistadors, because <laughs> there's tons of people have been trapped on this island, right? They, like, have a weird hierarchy and everything. Yeah, like that. there's like this like weird like like balloon walking mechanism that people use. It's <laughs> never explained in the movie why they're 
Like, you just have to assume that, I guess, the balloons are keeping them adrift. Well, duh, I mean, the Spanish conquistadores and pirates, they have the best scientific methods. They would have figured it out. Oh, yeah, me. absolutely. And, and I don't know where they found them balloons or what they were. Were they life preservers of I some sort? I have no idea. I don't know. I can understand, like, the snowshoe style because this whole continent they land on is covered in man-eating plants, so they yeah. cannot walk on the surface. Um, the movie takes a weird turn. It, it's like a disaster movie on the ship at first, and but everyone's just despicable, especially the captain drives me nuts. He drove me mad. Like, I was angry. I was like, nah, this guy is just trash. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never like him throughout the whole movie. Because oh, no. But no. Um, I actually do start to like some of the other characters, of course. But what happens is um, it takes a weird turn when a shark comes out of nowhere and starts acting really weird. And you're like, it kills one of the people. And there's this stereotypical, like, Indian guy who's been injured, and he's laying there. What is his name again? His name is Hurry Curry. It's really something like that. And it literally I, is. That's what it says in the And credits. I couldn't stop laughing, because I, not because I think that the racism's funny. I think that their idea of an Indian guy was so funny that they were so terrible with it. Uh, but I could not stop laughing. Well, this guy wakes up after being injured, and immediately falls into the water when they're on the continent, and it gets eaten by plants, and that's like a huge, like, uh, reveal, and I was just like, oh what the hell is going on? They're eating plants? And it mm-hmm. keeps getting weirder, and then we get this weird octopus creature, mm-hmm. and then the pirates come in and attack them, and I was like, this movie is freaking bonkers, and vastly entertaining, but the first, like, 20 minutes is just a, a chore, but not necessarily chore, aggravating, aggravating. But after that, I actually really love this movie. Yeah, I'm like once they get to the island, I really do like it. But I mean, I would say the first half is a chore. I mean, they introduce all these characters, and they all have like these like weird, like like histories, conflicts, and none of it gets like resolved or addressed. It gets resolved when they die. I I guess I get like you know like the there's the girl and and the professor you guess like the professor was like on the run from Africa because of some like scheme and he he just dies. He's also and, a terrible father. I guess he's a terrible father. And he can't um, swim. There's like the 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 woman that's like a celebrity in some country and. You find out more about her, but there's, like, like the spy that's after her because she's going to cash in. It's like, none of this gets... None of it. None of it's resolved. Like, what, who paid the captain to get all the explosive cargo? Like, that's just writ off as nowhere. Like, Yeah, that, that all sucks. But what's great is they stop on this giant rock at one point, mm-hmm. and this weird scorpion crab comes out. And it looks dated as hell, but it still scared me for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, like, another thing, creature comes out, and they just start fighting over the people. And I was like, this is awesome! Well, one's a crab and one's a scorpion. Or, okay, or, yeah. I don't know what the difference... They just are weird creatures. But that's the kind of stuff that would have given me nightmares as, like, a 5 Oh, yeah. It horrified me. Um, this is, what, PG, probably? And, you know, it's really violent. Oh, like, it is. There's, like, tons of shooting and people getting shot and killed. It's violent. It's it's super violent. It's probably one of the more violent Harrow ones we've seen. Not not super gory, but it's violent. No. Um, I liked the... The... Conquistador people or whatever. Um, that, the weird priest guy. Who, oh, just the KKK guy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like he just looked funny. And then, like, like when his mask comes off, you're like, oh. God, was it? I think there was a lot more with that guy that just didn't make it in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean... It's good. It's... I don't know if it warrants a watch, though. I, I guess... I think it's great. I think the second half's great after you get to the island. It's awesome. And, and scary. Like, Lovecraftian. Straight Lovecraft oh, kind it of is. stuff. It... 
And when they look out of the ship at one point and they mm-hmm. see like the weird balloon things walking, at first you think it's some sort of creatures walking on the surface. And I was like, oh my god, that's horrifying. What is that? What mm-hmm. is that? But then you realize it's just like pirates or something using right. their um, weird technology that they The must. weird balloon <laughs> It looks like something that like Willy Wonka would have made in his factory and it mm-hmm. works for some reason. <laughs> I, like I, I would almost suggest that you skip the first half of this movie and like more or less, just wait till we get the lifeboat so you can start watching. Because you're not going to have to know about these characters. You don't. You're not going to have to care they about suck. them. They, they're they terrible. Suck. Only one has an arc, and that's the drunk. He has an arc, and he comes out decent. Yeah, the, the, the drunk has an arc. It's weak, but, but it's there's an, an arc. arc. Um, their interpersonal relationships between each other are all just kind of. I love you. And then they slap him with the next scene. I'm like, <sighs> what happened to the... Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think. I don't want to spoil. I just remember what happened to that poor guy. Like, it seems the nicer you are, the worse you die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, the absolutely. more decent you are, the worse they kill you. Um, my, Is it Ripper? Michael Ripper? He was wasted. He was wasted. But he this. was cool. He had great scar makeup on his face. Yeah, I mean... He, he should have been the bartender, though. He definitely should have been the bartender. I, um, I don't know... The bartender was one of the best characters, too. Probably the best character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And they yeah, kill him the meanest so. possible way they could. I was like, yeah, you're going to kill that poor guy like that? I, th- I think, yeah, I mean... I like I it. Know. 7 out of 10. I wouldn't... I know. I enjoyed it, I'm telling you. I mean, you. I really enjoyed the, the first half. The second or half. Or the second mean. half, but, but that first half really brought it down. I, I might give it like a 2.5 out of 5. A 5 out of 10? Okay. Yeah. Here's the creature features, John Stanley, um, Lost Continent. Let's find it in here. It's not in Terran uh, tape. Okay. Oh, my God, he does not like this movie. Well, I uh, mean... The Lost Continent, <coughs> two out of five stars. Michael Nash's adaptation of the Dennis Wheatley novel, Uncharted Seas, his touches of William Hope Hogston, splashed in for added monster moisture, and it was produced and directed by Michael Carraris and briefly by Leslie Norman for Hammer. A freighter is jeopardized by a cargo of high explosives. Survivors of this ordeal face another. A Sargasso Sea of lost ships menaced by seaweed serpents, colossal crabs, and shipwrecked Spanish nuts who worship a wiggling octopus god. This pulp adventure with middling effects goes dead in the water. Eric Porter, and he goes through. They were worshiping the um, octopus god? I don't yeah, think I don't think he was paying attention. No, there's just an octopus god in it. There's an octopus in it, an octopus monster. He's yeah. he's not a god. That they worship like a descendant of uh like Cortez or something they yeah, say. Yeah, the small child. The small child and it's like and it's like, Oh, he speaks directly through the mouth of God and I notice that sometimes he does not pay attention to these movies. I mean never do I, but I I pick up more on it. I mean like also though you gotta realize that how many movies is this guy watching for this book? Well, it's his job. I don't know. Pretty decently written, but yeah. and uh, I don't remember an octopus guy. I don't think he was a god. I just think he was there. Yeah, because he's only in that one scene. Yeah, it's not yeah. I did. I was. I thought no. I thought the whole thing was gonna be plant monsters after the one. I, point. I did too. But yeah. I was so glad there was other creatures on there. Mm-hmm. Um, next week is Dracula has risen from the grave, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, then we are at week thirty next week with Dracula has risen from the grave, and then there's a we have like three Draculas and two Frankenstein's in the next six weeks. Oh, I don't know about these Frankenstein's. Uh, the last one was good. The last one was okay. Uh, Frankenstein so Creative Woman. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think I have anything okay. else to say on the Lost Continent. I liked it. Um, you want? You done? Skip it. No, watch it. Skip half. <laughs> Roll that trailer. <laughs> Here. 
where a million years are but a moment. Here, where the present and the past tremble in the presence of the prehistoric. From here comes an adventure so big that only the big screen can do it justice. What is it? Lost Continent, discovered in all its monstrous horror. Never come across anything like that before. A living hell that time forgot. <laughs> this is the man who brought them to the Lost Continent to face the terrors of the past. Lost women on the lost continent. Her past drove her here. Didn't they expect me to leave with nothing? Her future begins here. His life could end here. Now the horrors from the past meet headlong with the terrors of the future. One drop of water. Touch it. You will see torture pits for forbidden lovers. Barbaric sacrifice. Monster weed attack helpless beauties. Seed. Giant mollusks. See them fight to the death. See man struggle to destroy the evil of the lost continent. From the novel Uncharted Seas by Dennis Wheatley. Look out on the starboard side! A living hell that time forgot on the lost continent. Okay, let's do the pick-a-movie. Again, both those guys never got to me. So if they get to me, um, I'll, I'll do it. But if they don't, I'm not tracking you down. So two more will come out. I don't like. I got lots of stuff to watch. Like I said, I got a bunch of 2019 movies I got to watch. So um, I have no problem skipping the pick-a-movies. <laughs> I know it sounds dicky, but who do we got? We got um, Chris Rivers, who is a Patreon. So he might want to double up on it. But uh, let me see what another one is. I'll take another one out there. And we got David Bryant, 5-5-1973. So let me know what you want me to cover. I will not be tracking you guys down. I'm done doing that. So if some of the older people get to me and I can review it, I will too. So don't feel like, you know, you missed it. You don't feel obligated to watch right away. But I, I, I will, if you get to me and there's like a decent amount of time, I'll get to your movie eventually as well. But uh, like I said, I'm not going to track you down. So if you come, you come, you don't. All right, let's do the questions. Uh, 
Nick Mula, how do you feel about de-aging effect in recent movies? Mark Scorsese's The Irishman. Does it work better than casting a young actor for flashbacks, or do you find the effect distracting and unconvincing? I haven't really seen it that much. Um, I'm not sure how I really feel about it generally. Uh, I think The Irishman will be the determining factor for me, to be honest. Have you ever been in an escape room? Uh, no. Why are they so popular? Something to do, fun, you know, adrenaline, I think. Zach Nolan, did you happen to watch Salem's Yacht, Salem's Lot yet? The best vampire movie ever made, in my opinion. No, I have not. I will as as, as soon as I can, though. But probably won't be until after this year because I got to do like I know I have to at least watch thirty more twenty nineteen movies. Ilk vomit. Also, did I miss something? Was there a budget cut to Hammer Time because I miss looking at the back, the backyard in the background? Hey, you listen here. I hate doing the lighting. It always looks like crap in that room. And plus, it's getting cold. And that room is very cold. So maybe I'll go back out there when it warms up again. Um, from Twitter. Um, okay, the yeah, we got answers. I basically ask, who is your guys' favorite out of Vincent Price, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, Donald Pleasance, and John Carradine? So here come the answer. From Twitter, Cobwebs, a gothic cinema podcast, Cushing. Um, he basically posted a picture of Cushing uh, staking a vampire. Um Lindsay, um, if said, if I had to choose in a pinch, Price, Stoner 38, Chris Lee, uh, Ron, uh, Peter Cushing, Tim uh, Levier, a.k.a. Captain Telstar, Vincent Price, but they're all wonderful. Patreon, Vincent Price, enough said. Then we got Nick Mua. I'm going to go with Sir Christopher Lee, an excellent actor, and he was very versatile in his acting roles despite being labeled as a whore actor. He also cared very much about the roles he played, including the whore ones. I always prefer his Dracula and Jess Franco's movie to the one in the Hammer franchise. Mr. Lee also made the somewhat weak Star Wars episodes 2 and 3 watchable. He he is so, solely missed for sure. Yeah, his performance in Jess Franco's Dracula is very good, and I actually really enjoyed Herbert Lom as uh, Van Helsing. Um, from YouTube, I, IKD, uh, the question of the week is a tough one. I'll have to go with Vincent Price, though Donald Pleasance is a close second. Mr. Wicker, it's got to be Christopher Lee. He is my favorite horror film. In the favorite horror film, The Wicker Man, and being British, I love Hammer Horror. Kentuckinator, um, I only watch your YouTube... Oh, sorry. Pleasance, that was another question. Pleasance, love him as Loomis, but he's so fun as Spaced Out Psychiatrist and Alone in the Dark. He's great in everything. Irish Mad Dog 87. Vincent Price is uh, my favorite actor of all time, a no-brainer for myself. Viper Rose 1978. Although Christopher Lee is my favorite Dracula, I'd have to go with Vincent Price. He's the only one of on the list that I watched as a kid, the hilarious house of Frightenstein and continued to watch over the years in various movies. But a great question. Had to think about that one from Facebook. Um, Michael Stamberger, Vincent Price, Peter Engelin. Uh, it was always Christopher Lee, but I'll go for Donald Pleasance. David Lewin, growing up on Hammer Films, my favorite would have to be Cushing with Christopher Lee, a very close second. Amy Fox Goodwin, Vincent Price. His movies were my first experience with horror growing up, watching Bill Cardell's uh, Chili Theater out of Pittsburgh. Um, Chili Bill. Yep. And then we have um, Jason Fetters. Christopher Lee is my favorite from this list. Overall, Boris Kovacs is my favorite of all time. Bill Casanelli, Vincent Price for sure, and he was a great cook, and he posts uh, cooking uh, price-wise, a culinary legacy. Uh, Adrian Hall, in order of favorite, best to worst, Lee, Cushing, Pleasance, Price, Carradine. Uh, have to flip the page. Uh, Yolklin Dolphin, uh, Ty, Cushing, and Lee. BDG Reviews, Lee, he always brought a level of class to every role. Mark Humphreys, I like them all, but definitely Cushing. He is great even in the worst films. Always gives a brilliant performance that elevates the film. 
Richard Molander, Vincent Price. I love the other guys. They are some of my favorite actors, but Price is the best and my all-time favorite person and actor. Uh, Timmy Tahoe Callen, Igor from Fr Young Frankenstein. That doesn't count. Uh, Daniel Richardson, Lee. Seth uh, Pullen, stop it. You're sick. He called me sick because I made him make that decision. Ron Munster, this isn't fair, but I'm going to have to go with my boy Chris Lee. Jason Lindbergh, Cushing. Peter McCain, uh Christopher Lee, closely followed by Vincent. Sam Edwards, Price is my favorite actor of all time, followed incredibly close by Lee and Cushing. Vincent, uh, Destin Mills, Vincent Price. Uh, Gabrielle Jewett, or Jewett, Christopher Lee. Keith Christian, tie between Donald Pleasance and Peter Cushing. Love them all, don't get me wrong. Alec Bojian, tough call, but I'll go with Lee. Alex Powers, Price. Brandon Salkill, Price. Edwidge Boatwin, Donald Pleasance for me because I'll never forget me and my friend who were obsessed with him. So we are so obsessed with him, we threw our own funeral for him. R.I.P. Scott Shermer, I refuse to participate in this show. Sophie's Choice Dilemma. Stanley Eisman, I'll go with Christopher Lee, but it's a tough one. Matt Hill, how dare you force me to choose. Uh, Michael Church, Christopher Lee because he was in Funny Man. Michael Honeycutt, Cushing. Ariel Payne, Vincent Price. Andre Scott, Donald Pleasance for me. Shashin Barbarian, really I have to choose between Lee and Vincent Price. Um, Don Kakaro, Price. Belinda McKay, Price. Jerry Smith, Pleasance. He was the most versatile of the bunch. The Changing of the Guard episode of Twilight Zone, equal brilliant. Matt Brown, got to go with the amazing Vincent Price. Rakish Brown, John Carradine, and Keith Car He posted a John Carradine picture, so that's the only Carradine we got in there. Uh... Curtis Dries Jr., Vincent Price, hands down. Zach Puccinelli, Terry O'Quinn. Come on, man. Sonia Campbell, Lee. Matthew Hudson, all in all, probably Lee. But Pleasance and Cushing are great, too. Especially Pleasance and The Great Escape. Um, I love Pleasance and The Great Escape. That part breaks my heart. Matt Galloway, Price. Marco uh, Verduin. I choose Ben Richards. I see what you did there. I can choose whoever I want. And I choose Ben Richards. He's one mean motherfucker. Love that movie. PJ Fernandez, Peter Cushing, Nate Hill, Pleasance, Jordan Bibby, Vincent Price, Brandon Hardesty, Price for sure. And then an old answer to your favorite zombie movie made between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. BGD, BDG reviews The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, Zombie, and Tombs of the Blind Dead. Zombie does not count. Uh, okay, it looks like Price won, I think. I, I really should go and count them, but I, I feel like Price seems like the clear-cut winner, followed by Lee, and then followed by... Ooh, it's so tough. You know what? I'm going to count them, and there's going to be a counter up here. So, um, yeah. Question of the week. I know it's a very generic one, but I need your help. Your favorite horror movie of 2019 so far. Let me know. I'm going to try to get to them all. Your favorite horror movie of 2019 so far. And I guess we're going to hop in the update. Okay, here we go. Had to have it. The 4K Ultra HD of Suspiria. Yeah, from Synapse. This is so cool. I was wondering if they were going to get into the 4K game, and I just had to have this one on 4K. I mean, this might be the end of physical media. I don't know. Uh, I'm still going to collect as long as I can, but I cannot wait, man. Let's pop this in when I get some free time and just see the wonderful print in 4K. Um, I know they did a great job. The Blu-ray looked great, so yeah. Um, then we got some Criterions here. We got um, uh, Quidon which I wanted to see for years. Anthology, Japanese, horror movie. Uh, of course, I hear great things about it. 1965, so yeah. 
Got to grab a couple on the Criterion sale. Then we have Shock Corridor by Sam Fuller. Joe Dante praises this movie every chance he gets on his podcast, so definitely wanted to uh, finally watch it. So um, The only Sam Fuller movie I'm really familiar with is The Big Red One. Watched that a couple times, always enjoyed it. So, some more Blu-rays. The Fan from Scream Factory. I had seen this years ago on DVD. Michael Bean, James Gardner, uh, Lauren Bacall, stalker movie. And I remember a uh, really good performance for Michael Bean being a creepazoid. So, yeah. I look forward to revisiting this one. Then we got uh, another uh, out of print, going out of print, uh, Breathless remake from Scream Factory or Shout Factory. Never seen the original, but... Um, Hamilton Books had some of the kind of going out of print uh, Screen Factory titles, so it was a good price on this one. Grabbed it. Also grabbed this one, The Pope of Greenwich uh, Village and um, Desperate Hours, Mickey Rourke double feature. Uh, yeah, also going out of print. Couldn't pass it up for 10 bucks. Why not? We got another one, Stigmata. Screen Factory. I don't know if I've ever seen this whole movie, but um, yeah, for the price, why not, right? <laughs> Shameless Guilty Pleasure. It is not really a glowing review, is it? Then we have uh, my Kickstarter came in, Jesse's Super Normal Regular Average Day, the new Brian Williams movie uh, with uh, Elise Winkler and, of course, Ellie Church. I enjoyed this one. It was really weird, really different, really unique. And there is a couple more titles uh, still out, still uh, for sale. Uh, nice double disc, lots of crazy things going on in there. Cool stuff. Enjoyed it. Love those people who make that movie. So, yeah. I got this because it was, I guess it was an impulse buy. It was dirt cheap. It was like four bucks on Hamilton Books. I was like, eh, hey, throw it in there. I haven't seen this since I was a kid. But uh, why the hell not, Casper? Four dollars. It was fun. Give me a break. Got some Disney exclusives, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I've uh, never seen this one. Kurt Douglas looks cool. I, I like, you know, the div Disney live action movies. This is right up my alley, I think. Adventure movie. Then we got The Black Hole. Yeah, I wanted to see this just because the cast, I guess, is a Star Wars cash in. Uh, Disney missed out on Star Wars. They did this. Now they own Star Wars. So I guess they got it. But yeah, it's got frickin' Ernest Borgnine, Maximilian Schell. It's got a bunch of people in there. Look at that cast. Uh, yeah, Anthony Perkins, Robert Forrester, Joseph Bottoms. Yeah, come on. Looks cool. Uh, this one I always liked as a kid. I don't know if it will hold up. Uh, another Disney exclusive, George of the Jungle. This movie always made me laugh. Brandon Fraser. Uh, people love making fun of Brandon Fraser. I just you know kind of feel bad for him. But uh, yeah. I remember this one was very entertaining. Thomas Hayden Church, uh, Richard Roundtree's, and I'm just looking at the cast. I mean, I do not remember the cast in this. And John Cleese, wow. I remember there being a really funny moment where the narrator broke character and started making fun of somebody in the movie, and I always thought it was hilarious. Because I don't like you. And this is so weird. This is like $5 on Amazon. And I was just like, what are these? Alex DeSanto, or DeSanto, uh, four-pack, Diary of a Necromancer, uh, A Christmas to December, Meet the Massacre, and what was the other one? Bad Seeds. It was like $6 for four movies on Blu-ray. I, I think some of them are shorts. I don't know. It just looks too weird to pass up. Why not? And then we have uh, some Kino, because Kino posted that they were closing some things. 
uh, selling some titles and they're never going to be back. So, and this this one's not one of them. This is a new one. Someone behind the door, behind the door, Charles Bronson, Anthony Perkins. I'll buy in any Bronson they put on Blu-ray, and and it, I'll get as many Perkins as I can too. So why not? Then we got another Bronson farewell friend. This is uh, I think a French movie. So yeah. I love Charles Bronson. I don't know if you guys knew that, but he's an idol of mine. Then we got uh, some of the ones that are going out of print. Naked Face with Roger Moore. Don't know much about it. It was a canon movie, so can't go wrong there, right? The Secret Invasion, Roger Corman movie. Looks fun. It's got a nice cast. Mickey Rooney, Henry Silva. Come on, looks like a Dirty Dozen style movie. Love those. Man on a Mission movies. Um, then we have The Hidden Agenda or Hidden Agenda with uh, Frances McDormand, who's a great actress. Uh, Brian Cox, great. Uh, Brad Dourif. So I, I don't know much about this one. I'm not sure if I've seen this movie. But um, it looks good. And again, it was one of the ones going away forever. Ten Seconds to Hell. Jack Palance, come on, war movie. Not passing that up. Tiger by the Tail. This is one I wanted for a while. Christopher Joy, George, Tippi Hedren. Um, I think Joe Spinell is in this one. I don't know if it's any good, but hey, for the price of six bucks, I'm willing to try it out. Then we got Freeway. This movie I always wanted to buy, but it just looks so trashy. And I was like, I don't know about this one. Finally bit the bullet because it's going away forever, so I needed it. Got some other ones. Uh, young Billy. Uh, uh, young Billy Young. Robert Mitchum, David Carradine, Western movie. Why not? Then we got Pursuit, Ben Gazzara, E.G. Marshall, Martin Sheen. Good cast. Michael Crichton? Yeah, for the price, why not? The Mackenzie Break, again. Cheap war movie. I can't, who's in this one? It was a couple actors that caught me. Brian Keith, that's one, yep. Ooh, and Riz Ortolani does the music. I'm glad I bought it now, big time. Love Riz Ortolani. One of my favorites, if not my favorite. Then we have another Corman movie, Target Harry. Vic Morrow, guys, Vic Morrow. Uh, really like him, so why not? Filmed by Roger Corman. Looks cool. Then we got Yul Brenner in Invitation to a Gunfighter. Yeah, I tried to grab up as many of those westerns that I knew were going away that I could. So, And then last, but I hope not least, we have Avalanche. Uh, Rock Hudson, Mia Farrow, Robert Foster. They were talking about a lot about this one on um, Pure Cinema Podcast because they're doing a, a Robert Forrester R.I.P. Uh, kind of retrospective at uh, New Beverly. So they were talking about Avalanche, so I wanted to check it out. And I have one DVD. Uh, it is The Gateway Meet. This is the re the Bright Side Trilogy's on here. Ron DeCaro film. I haven't seen this in years. And I never had the entire... Oh, that's gory and nasty. I wonder if this holds up for me. You know, sometimes, like I said, a lot of these extreme horror movies just do not hold up to you after you watch them again. You're just like a different person. But I remember The Gateway Meat being uh, kind of pretty crazy. I remember there was a Colombian necktie right there, which just kind of blew my mind. It was so gross. But uh, I guess we're going to hop back to the video. All right, guys, thank you very much for watching, and as always, you guys have a good one. Mm.